shout out to our sponsors at IconBet. Open source, decentralized gaming, no deposits, play straight from your wallet. IconBet, made by the players, for the players. Eye on Icon is proudly supported by Icon Nation and the Icon community. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Eye on Icon. This is the episode where we go around the Icon ecosystem and bring the best of the best on the show to interview them about projects they're working on. And today we have got Daiki from OM. OMM that is. No, but really it said OM. And with me as well as Icon Graffer. How are you today, Icon Graffer? I'm doing well. I'm excited about the interview. Excellent. Daiki, don't, don't mean to leave you hanging. How are you? Thank you for coming on the show. Of course, thank you. Um, thanks for having me, and really excited to share more about Ohm. It, we're we're so happy to have you on. There's there's uh, s- people just asking questions constantly. In fact, it was probably one of the tweets I put up out asking, you know, the community what would they like to hear about was the most responded to tweet I've I've ever put out. People just ask question after question after question. Luckily, everyone kind of wanted to know the same thing. So we've kind of zoned it into a a bunch of questions we're going to ask you today and hopefully get the answers the community have been craving to hear about, you know, because of the excitement. So really excited to have you on. Um, Daiki, let's just kick it off first. You know, let's in case someone has just picked up this podcast and gone, what's Icon? What is all this? Who are you? Tell us. Give us a quick version of who you are, how you got into crypto. Uh, all right. Um, I haven't done this in a while. So <laughs> let's see. So I, uh, before I joined crypto, I was at a VC fund. Um, so I'm currently living in Silicon Valley. And then obviously, like, you know, I kind of like learning about new technologies in general. And then VC fund was like a really good fit for that because I was always looking for new technologies and new startups to invest in that were utilizing these new technologies. Um, so I was mostly like covering like kind of the cutting edge technologies. So these included like AI, autonomous vehicle, VR, AR, and obviously blockchain was one of the sectors that I was covering. And then at a certain point, I felt like blockchain was really just like, you know, life changing technology in general, like not just a technology uh, revolution, but also like from a socioeconomic point of view, it had a lot of impact to the world. So I figured like I want to kind of jump into the crypto full time. Uh, and at that point, I was meeting a lot of the folks in the industry, and then one of them was actually Min, uh, the co-founder of Icon Project, um, and he was just getting started at the time. And you know, like he and I knew be- because I knew him from his previous startup days, and we connected. And then he wanted to basically have someone join him to kind of build out the ecosystem for Icon. And I thought uh, it was an interesting opportunity for myself as well. So. Uh, that's how I joined Icon, and you know, afterwards, basically, Scott and myself set up Isaac Station, you know, which was intentional uh, intended as an accelerator initially, but now it's like becoming more of a, like an incubator of like incubating multiple different projects, Balance being one of them, Own being other one, and Bridge being other one as well. Um, so basically, working on all these different projects that we think are necessary for the Icon ecosystem, um, and very excited about what we're working here. Yep. Um, so what you know, I think I think a lot of people probably know this, but again, in case uh, for people who are who are newer to the community or maybe haven't followed the project, you just want to get to give a, a you know a ten thousand foot overview of what OM is and and what it does. Yeah, no, OM in simple terms, it's a money market, and then I guess even money market sometimes people don't know. So I think the best way to kind of put it is like. Uh, if you know like a peer to peer lending services like Lending Club and whatnot, I think it's probably most similar uh, in terms of to understand what it does. So 
Uh, the difference here is it's, it's powered by blockchain, uh, and it's really not just like a peer-to-peer one-to-one, but it's more of like a pool of capital from on the supply side and a pool of capital on the demand side. Um, the interesting thing about Ohm is that you know we're trying to have anyone supply and borrow assets, uh, also earn interest and own a share of the protocol. But aside from that, I think what's really interesting is you know right now there's a lot of DeFi services out there that are catering to the current DeFi crypto natives. Uh, but we really wanted to build out a service that can cater to the broader audience. And you know, like we're all in this to like really make have a good impact to the world. And I feel that you know, basically, you know, like really banking the unbanked, uh, we can do it with some of these DeFi protocols. And uh, we feel that Ohm, along with Bridge, is kind of first step towards it. So, can you, you know, and obviously, uh, you know, we have the traditional markets of money markets, which have been around, you know, basically forever. Um, obviously, you know, we're kind of entering a new uh, a new era with these the, the decentralized uh, finance and everything like that. What if you can kind of just give a, a a bit of an overview as far as uh, you know what the what the pluses of the decentralized version are versus the the centralized? Um, I think I think some people might kind of know off the bat, but uh, just kind of walk through, you know, what what the upsides are uh, as far as having a decentralized platform like Ohmis. Right. So I think the good part is like, um, uh, let's see, where did I start? So I think because a lot of the DeFi protocols in, 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 in nature are as transparent, it is quite different from the existing financial infrastructure in that users can have a visibility into what's happening. Like, for example, what I mean by that is if a bank is about to, you know, like, you know, go through a bankrupt situation like i wouldn't know as as a consumer of the user of the bank uh but if you if you see a DeFi protocol like a money market protocol about to run into bankrupt situation you would know because you can basically check all these data on chain and i think that's kind of the real merit of a lot of these DeFi in general the fact that all the data is on chain and like all the risks are on chain so you as a user can basically assess the risk versus uh, blindly relying on a third party to basically, you know, like basically, you know, make you feel comfortable without having much visibility. Uh, so I think I think that's kind of the beauty of the DeFi in general, where like it's basically everything is transparent. Um, and I think with that basically comes a lot of the benefits, right? For example, I think a lot of the existing uh, banks or lending uh, services or money markets in general, like they need a lot of these back-end office to make sure like you know these risks are calculated properly like a lot of these uh, accounts add up um, and the compliance thing also makes sense uh, but at the, at the because a lot of these things are automated by a smart contract you basically need a lot less people to manage you know uh, similar I guess basically purpose uh, I think a good example I give out to a lot of non-crypto folks in general is like you know, compare Coinbase to something like, you know, Uniswap or I guess Balance for that matter, you know, like they, they have like a similar volume uh, at some point. But, you know, uh, Coinbase has thousands of people basically working on the exchange versus like Uniswap, which is like 10 people. And you're basically getting like 100x productivity, productivity by using a new technology called blockchain. And that's what we're trying to hope uh, to achieve with OMM on the money market side. Yeah, that's great. Oh, thank you for that. It it is um, uh, what it enables is exciting. 
Now, you touched on this, and, and I thought uh, I was very keen to under, to know how how did the team come together? So you, you said um, you know you and Scott founded and the incubator, but how did the rest of your team and or if you could actually say who the teams are working and how y'all came together to deliver on this idea? Right. Um, so I think let's see. Uh, the initial idea came from the fact that you know. Isaac Station as a team has been really looking for applications to be built on Icon for several years at this point. And you know, we've been kind of doing a lot of research, trying out different products on Ethereum, um, et cetera. And you know, at, at some point last year we came to the conclusion that, you know, DeFi, like just because of the nature of what blockchain does, um uh, in, in, in at a high level, it's really a ledger, a trustless ledger. And by having a trusted ledger, what can you do? You can basically transfer value uh, as seamlessly as you can with, uh, you do with internet with information. So what does that mean? That means that there can be a lot of the financial uh, infrastructure that can be built uh, and use case that can be built on top of it. So that's where we kind of started. Okay, maybe it makes sense for us to kind of spend a little bit more time on the DeFi sector specifically and then, you know, we saw a lot of the innovations happening on the Ethereum ecosystem. And they're obviously like, you know, years ahead because they've been around for, for that much longer. And we thought, you know, what, what are some of the, you know, we think our community can do some really interesting stuff, but what is the basis layer that needs to be built up? And, you know, we felt that uh, there were a few things. One was a DEX, obviously. Another one was like a synthetic market and which what balance is covering. And the last one was a money market. And that's what uh, OMM is covering. So after we came to that idea, you know, we basically gathered, uh, you know, like these teams and the teams they were working with. So working with um, Pair19, we're working with Ibris team, and then also Robbie on the front end side. Uh, these are all the teams that we've worked with previously on different occasions, and thought that you know we kind of did a pretty good job as a team. So we basically asked them like, you know, are you guys interested in these projects? And kind of told them what we're trying to do, and then these guys were all on board at that point, And that's how you got started. Great. I love a good origin story. Thank you for that. <laughs> so I think, I think one of the things that um, people have been excited about for its, you know, I think it's uh, implications for the wider icon ecosystem, but obviously, obviously for Ohm as well is uh, bridge. Um, so can you kind of explain what bridge is uh, to a certain extent, how it works uh, and, um, you know, what, how, how do we kind of integrate with Ohm and, and if it'll be available at lunch, I guess that's four questions in one, but I think, you know, where I'm going. <laughs> yeah. A lot of questions. So let me, <laughs> let me, uh, know if I, if I don't cover anything specifically, but basically bridge is a service, uh, that we built to enable regular people to access a blockchain service. Um, you know, we felt that the current landscape and current wallet experiences really don't provide that. So we wanted a new wallet experience where it was easy for regular people. Um, yeah, and then I guess the one clarification I wanted to make, and this was kind of a common question on Ohm Discord, um, is that um, Bridge and Ohm are just like a separate products. Um, so Bridge, uh, Ohm just happens to be one of the first protocol that Bridge is integrated into, but Bridge can be integrated to pretty much any, any services. So. Uh, I do expect Bridge to be integrated to more services going forward. Um, so I think uh, I just want to make a clear distinction between Bridge and Ohm. Um, and in terms of 
like like with the bridge itself, I'll, I'll probably break it down into a few different components. So I think one component is, you know, people for for regular people, it's it's hard to manage like a pair of a public key and private key. So we wanted to have a service where it's easy for people to use existing kind of uh, framework for managing their own accounts. And uh, basically we are making that happen on Bridge by working with a team called, um, they used to be called Formatic and then now rebranded to Magic, where you can basically um, have a non-custodial wallet uh, by using a email address. You know, like email address, login is something a lot of people are familiar with their Web2 experience. Uh, so that's like one part of the Bridge experience. Uh, the other part of the bridge experience is that, you know, right now to do a fiat on-ramp and off-ramp, it is quite difficult. Uh, you need, first you need like a fiat on-ramp, off-ramp exchanges that are supported on like different countries. And also you need to basically also move, buy a stable coin, move that around, and then move that back to your wallet, which is quite cumbersome. So we basically wanted to have all that experience built into the wallet. So I think that's the other part of the experience. And obviously, I think with on the Ethereum, like it's hard to basically, you know, as, as a first time user, like for example, if I want to utilize, interact with Uniswap or Aave or any of these DeFi services in general, I also need to not only have like a stable coin there, but I also need to top it out with ETH. So on the bridge wallet, what we're doing is we're actually topping it out with like a small amount of I6. So we don't have to actually pay, uh, worry about the transaction fees initially as well. So I think those are kind of the main components uh, that's that that uh, compose what bridges. So that that's interesting. So Daiki, just to summarize here, it is essentially the sign up process through Bridge will create the wallet, etc., for the user um, and via email and password. So they don't have to worry about that entire traditional wallet set wallet setup. Is, would that correct? Okay, excellent. What is it? Does it have the ability to import an existing, like connect an existing wallet, or would the bridge set up always start a new wallet up? Bridge will always set up a new wallet. Uh, I think exporting. I think I think importing is difficult. Exporting is is possible, although it's not easy yep. with the current setup. Um, and I think uh, in general, basically the. Bridge wallet is really catered towards to these non-crypto native folks who who want to kind of try out these stuff. Of course, not necessary for I think crypto native folks um, in general. Um, so I think there is some distinction there. Yep. Yep. No, that that's a real good call out. I, I had not realized that myself. So that was a real good insight. So. Okay, so that's that's where it's twofold, right? So it creates this onboarding ramp for a new user strictly to just sign up rather than dealing with wallets and all that jazz. Then what's the yep. next part of it? So part of this, uh, is this now part of Bridge, the USDB, you know, the new new stablecoin that's going to be introduced? Is this part of Bridge? How's that come into the equation? Right, so... <laughs> So that's the that is I'm sorry I I must have missed this. So that is also another component of a bridge where, uh, along with just the wallet part, we were going to actually introduce a new stablecoin that's backed by uh, fiat, right? Um, so uh, just to avoid confusion, that that used to be called USDB. We're actually changing it to other stablecoin USDS now. Uh, I can kind of get into more details there, but yes, uh, another component of the bridge is to have a uh, fiat bag stable coin introducing that on the icon network okay so uh, 
and with that, so part of that, uh, I'm keen to understand how this this would actually work. So bridge, and then is it uh, so? Okay, going back, when you set up bridge, is it a KYC just to set up the wallet, or is that um, you don't need to be KYC or anything like that? Yeah. So to um, sign up for a wallet, you don't need to do KYC, but to deposit and withdraw into uh, fiat. You need to do KYC. So I think they're kind of twofold. So like yep. just to use the wallet functionality, you don't need to do KYC, but to basically interact with a fiat tax stable coin and then basically have it interact with uh, the fiat money, then you need to go through KYC. Okay. So l- let's dive into the um, to the transferring from the fiat account to OMM. So essentially your wallet. Um, and you said it's going to be called US, uh, USDF or S- S- S for Sam. S. Yeah. Okay. S for Sam. Yep. Yep. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. Cool. So, how will that process work exactly? Um. It, and is it you know part of this is how the process work and is it at the moment just limited to a certain country's bank accounts, etc. Yeah. So, I'll, I'll kind of walk you through from a user experience how that will work, right? So, from a user experience on the, the bridge side, like the we the way we're thinking for Ohm is that you know people come to Ohm. And we'll do marketing, like basically non-crypto person will come into the own website. And then, you know, like they first, at first kind of would need to log in, right? So when they log in, what they're doing is basically they're creating a, a bridge wallet uh, by, by signing up with the email address, which a lot of non-crypto folks are familiar with. After that happens, you know, their wallet is created. And then what they can do is when they want to basically deposit stablecoin to earn, start earning interest, um, they will go through KYC process and then they can basically uh, fund the account from their bank account either through ACH or wire and that will basically mint new stable coins and with the new stable coins that are minted on their wallet you know, they can deposit that on their own protocol to earn interest. Oh, yeah, that's brilliant and uh, I know I'm, I'm jumping the gun here is is in terms of what are the fees? Because we've seen certain, certain on-ramp, off-ramp services across other chains and they look all flashy. But then when you go to use it, it's like, oh, I'm going to charge you this much in fees, etc. And it kind of, you know, throws away the new users from actually exploring the space. How how, how do we fit into the picture there with Bridge? <laughs> uh, so fees, unfortunately, something we don't have control over. Like be to uh, rely on to interact with the fiat. So uh, I don't exactly know what other fiat off-ramp offers in terms of fees, but uh, there are also fees attached to these processes as well. Um, it's just nature of the business. It's not, not like we, we are taking any of the fee. It's just like whoever had that has license to basically uh, interact with this fiat, they just need to charge these fees. Yeah. Um, I need to get back to you on the specific fee side. Um, there is a chart that basically covers the fees uh, for a different process uh, for deposit, withdrawal, for ACH, and wire as well. Yep. Okay. So uh, I'm just going to walk through what you've said is some person who just doesn't know anything about crypto but has heard all these awesome, oh, you can get 5%, 8%, you know, unheard of interest rates. They come onto OMM. They're like, okay, yep. obviously the UI is simple and beautiful as we know from balance. And um, instead of setting up the wallet, they can use Bridge, sign up via email, which anyone and everyone's used to. If you have a PayPal account, you should be able to do this. Um, you walk through it, get the email. Once you're set up, you're like, okay, 
Now, it should prompt you, you'll probably see some options via Bridge to go connect your bank account to transfer money straight on, which, and then you follow that UI, KYC, and then it just it just walks you through the process where you can transfer your, your dollars into crypto dollars, and straight away you can start earning interest based on whatever the rate is on the protocol. Is it as simple as that? Uh, yes, that is correct. Uh, boom. And- and so, it, it, obviously, they have the USDS uh, via their, you know, via that that transaction. What other assets uh, will people be able to lend out at at launch uh, on OMM that you guys have planned at this point in time? I assume ICX being one of them, but um, beyond, I guess, beyond those two, uh, what else do you guys have planned? Right. So I think right now we'll probably start with ICX um, USDS and then other wrapped version of a USDC. Where if a lot of some folks have a stable coin or Ethereum network, they can port it over to Icon Network and then also uh, let them borrow. Um, for the stability of the protocol, I think we'll likely start with those initially. Uh, but the plan is to basically use this as like a almost like a hub uh, for interoperability to come, where we basically bring on different assets uh, that don't have money markets right now, and then um, have this money market uh, OM be kind of the the go-to place to lend out uh, some of these protocol assets uh, that are not supported by any money markets right now. And would that happen? So, you know, uh, Orbit Bridge is kind of the main, I think it's the only only mechanism for, for moving wrap tokens over from Ethereum uh, to ICON. Um, is that the mechanism people would, as far as the uh, the wrapped USDC, is that, uh, is that kind of the main, that would be the mechanism for people to do that uh, at launch. Do I have that correct? Uh, there are actually a few different methods that are being discussed. Oh. Um, so I'll say just orbit is just one method. Yep. Got it. Okay. And then, uh, you know, it, uh, obviously down the road to once BTP gets implemented, yep. uh, that's obviously going to be probably, you know, the default for very, very quickly and easily and theoretically cheaply, uh, transferring things over. So that'll, you know, that'll certainly make things, uh, very exciting. Correct. Yep. That's the goal. Like basically a lot of these BTP. Uh, different protocols that we're integrating BTP with, uh, we're hoping that some of we're hoping to bring some of those major assets uh, to OM as well. Yeah, and even you know even in cases where maybe they do have uh, down the road, you know, when, just because a, a, a platform already has a lending protocol of some sort, uh, maybe OM's you know APY is higher at the given time or something like that. So you know even in cases where there is an existing lending platform, uh, there still might be an incentive for people to move their tokens over to the over to Icon and use OM. So that's certainly encouraging as well. Yep, I think from a strategy perspective, though, I think uh, I've been monitoring different money markets across different ecosystem. And I think right now just there is like a low hanging fruits in terms of targeting these protocols that don't have that are not supported by money markets, because like basically having a money market, what it does is it enables you to. It basically make your asset more valuable by right, creating more right. utility towards it. And I mean, if you look at like current money markets, it, there's probably about several dozen, I would say a few dozen uh, assets that are currently supporting the money markets in total across several different money market protocols. And basically there's like thousands of tokens, assets out there basically that don't have a money market. Uh, so I think those are actually going after those are uh, low hanging fruits uh, for the short term. So Daiki, I wanted to come back to, and this is a this is something that a lot of people were asking as well. 
you know, we mentioned it's transferring, you know, <laughs> sorry to half on about this, but yeah, from bank accounts to, you know, onto the protocol. Now, you mentioned wire transfers. So, one of the big questions out there is now, are we strictly talking limited to US dollars or will it have functionality like me being in Australia? Can I use um, the on-ramp, off-ramp from AUD and it converts it into um, US dollars and puts it onto the protocol? Do, do you know that level of detail yet, if there's possibilities around it? I'll have to double check. Um, understanding is that even if you have uh, have a non-USD bank, if that those banks support USD, you should be able to make those wires. And what they do is they basically do auto-conversion in, in the process. Okay. Uh, but it, it may differ would, case by case on banks, I think. So it'd be kind of like if I was, you know, if I was in, you know, as an American in a foreign country, uh, even though something, you know, say I was in England, even though things were priced in pounds, I could still use my debit card or credit card and pay normally. And then just on the back end, I would get, you know, instead of getting charged in dollars, they, you know, it would charge in pounds, but the bank would automatically convert it. That's, I mean, that's, that's what the experience I've had. So I think, I think that's that would like, be for example, like if, if you, yeah, if you're like in UK, for example, you can probably send wires from UK to US bank and uh, it's automatically converts into USD and then, and then the back end basically, right? So uh, I guess then that that actually will answer this question. Will answer that. Uh, for example, credit cards slash debit cards. Is it is it a bank account or can you actually use your debit cards that are connected to bank accounts? Because usually then they automatically do conversion fees, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Right. So debit card, credit card. I think is something we're considering. Uh, okay. I don't think it's going to be supported initially. Okay. Uh, and I think in general the fees and credit card, debit card is also a lot higher. Hmm than right. ACT wire transfer. So probably not, like I think they take almost four to 5% uh, for most crypto transactions actually. Yeah, um, it is. It's If you look at any purchase of crypto. So uh, I, I think it's probably the preferred route in terms of the, because there's just so much cut that's being taken out. No, no, that's great. Thank you, Daiki. Appreciate that. I know, um, again, it's, it's a big topic for everyone because a lot of people are excited about this component to get um, your money in and out and earn this high interest without the the thing of going through an exchange and then routing it and etc. Um, and and to your other point, you know, it's interesting how you mentioned other money markets. I, I was uh, just just the other day due to Aave launching on um, the Polygon network. I was like, let me check it out. You know, let's see the speed and etc. And I went to Aave. I haven't used it in a long time. And you know, it's it's the biggest money market out there, right, at the moment. And um, yep. There's just so much information thrown at you in every screen. And it's meant to be the simplest of them all. Like, <laughs> I was completely overwhelmed by what the information is trying to tell me. All I wanted to know was what interest rate I'm going to get. Yes, I could get that. But as soon as I went into other screens, it started just throwing me graphs and random stuff that may not be random, might actually be useful information. But me, the average user, it was just very overwhelming. So, um Really looking forward to uh, having tested OMM a while back. I just, after this experience, I really appreciated the OMM experience because none of that. It was literally two clicks. I knew exactly what was going on. All the complication was removed. So hopefully this is where it's still looking um, based on after a few months. It's still as simple as it was earlier. And I'm really looking forward to it. I think users will be very pleased. Yep, that's what we look forward to as well. 
Excellent, excellent. Okay, so look, look I feel we've covered that. Uh, you've given really good insights on the bridge, kind of answered every all the roundabout questions everyone's thrown at us. So let's talk about the token, the token of the protocol. Um, what are some of the things it enables? Why do I want this token? Right. Uh, so simple answer is the governance power, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> Uh, so I think, um, to me, um, you know, I, I own different governance protocol tokens in general as well. And um, the value that it will bring in general, I think, is still is still a lot of his experiment uh, at this point, I, I would like to say. But to me, uh, a lot of these protocols eventually will disrupt existing industries and challenge existing companies. And to me, a lot of these protocol structure, DAO structure, are actually a new form of companies, right? So it's it's not quite you're owning like you know like necessarily like shares of a company, but you know these portal tokens give you governance rights to the protocol. And if you think they're kind of a new form of a company, and if you think that protocol will be, actually become big, I think you know um, owning that uh, tokens which has governance power on the protocol. Uh, can be meaningful. And that's obviously depending on how, whether you believe these governance part, uh, governance power is meaningful or not, or whether you think these protocols will become successful or not. But I think to me, in simple sense, that that's what it is about. Uh, going specifically into the utility of the tokens um, from the governance power, what it can do is, you know, there will be obviously a DAO fund, right? So through a DAO fund, they can choose what to do with a DAO fund. Uh, by staking OM tokens, uh, what we're thinking is basically uh, the fees that the OM protocol collects. Basically, uh, they it can be used to purchase OM tokens from the market and basically distribute it to the OM stakers, for example. Um, and then OM uh, stakers can also decide uh, where the staked ISX should be delegated towards to. So, if you want to basically have you know, like kind of move the needles in the governance side, side uh, on the Icon ecosystem. I mean, that's something also you can do uh, with OM tokens. And then ideally later down the road, I mean, hopefully with the governance, uh, you know, if OM can be used as uh, collateral on the OM market as well, right? I think we've seen that already happen with Compound and Aave. So, uh, so that's something we're hoping to have at some point as well. Cool. So adding uh, tokens, etc. So I'll just throw something out there since it's the oldest one. So tap, for example, uh, it could a proposal could be put through and OM holders could vote to see if we get that token added as as you know you put it up as collateral in the money ma- markets, etc. Uh, those kinds of decisions as well will go via the uh, governance token. Correct. Correct. And you know, as much as I'm excited to have tap tokens on OM market, I think, and uh, like I think someone actually recently asked, you know, will OM token be listed on OM market on the front of first day? As much as I want these to happen, I think um, there has been a lot of uh, exploits, economic exploits mm-hmm. that happen because of uh, basically listing tokens that are not somewhat stabilized in terms of uh, price and liquidity. Uh, that's, I think, a big part of the money market. If you look at a lot of exploits that happen across the Ethereum ecosystem and Binance ecosystem, a lot of it happens because uh, some of these DeFi protocols have onboarded assets that are not yet appropriate uh, for to be listed on these markets. Uh, so I just want to kind of put a, out a caution there out there because 
uh, as a, for example, as a result of having tab on own market, for example, and then let's say someone was borrowing, you know, like, uh, uh, USDS, uh, by collateralizing tab tokens, but then, uh, price is going to be basically dictated by the, you know, the, the price on the decks. And if there isn't enough volume on the decks, or if the market cap of the tab is basically, uh, can be manipulative, uh, by a whale. You know, like someone can basically immediately like uh, buy up top tokens um, and then basically uh, borrow a lot of the assets and then they can dump tap actually. So that actually happened to a protocol on uh, a protocol called Venus uh, on Binance ecosystem where someone basically a whale bought like hundreds of billions of Venus tokens, bought a bunch of Bitcoin Ethereum and then basically dumped Venus back and then didn't end up paying Bitcoin Ethereum back. So uh, it's something that you have to really care about in terms of when you're adding a new asset to the own protocol. And that's why we're also like starting with like three specifically one ICX and then like, you know, two stable coin pools, because we want to make sure like everything is like, uh, done, uh, on a step-by-step -step basis. One of the things I want to make sure gets explained, uh, and highlighted is just, you know, what the, you know, what, what is determining what the interest rate is both for, you know, if you're, if you're lending, um, out, uh, one of those stable coins and, you know, I, and at this other side of things, you know, if you're borrowing one of those stable coins, uh, you know, how, the, how are those rates determined? Um, you know, do they, do they float or are they static? Uh, if you just kind of want to go into a little bit, cause I think obviously that's an important component of things. Yeah. So it's a various rates. Um, so it just has variable interest rates. Um, and it's most purely based on the supply and demand side of things, basically. So if there's more demand for stable coin, you know, obviously the borrowing interest rate is going to get higher. Um, if there is less demand for a stable coin, the interest rate will go lower. And then, you know, based on the borrowing interest rate, the supply interest rate, rate supply interest rate will also be dictated as well. And if I if I say it's at three uh, percent and I want to borrow uh, USD USDS. Mm -hmm. When I borrow it, I get locked. Do I get locked in it at the three percent? And so, you know, until as far as until until the end of my loan, I'm only paying three percent. Or is it, you know, if I started at three percent, but then if it fluctuates up to four percent, am I stuck paying that four percent? Or it, I guess where does it does it does it lock in or not? It doesn't. Okay. It would change consistently based on the demand and yeah supply. Yep. Yeah. Right. So okay. I think if you want a fixed, I think, and I get ask this question a lot as well. I think if you want a fixed interest rate, like you'd probably be better off using something like balanced, which has right. really no interest rate, but uh, uh, I guess uh, origination fee. Uh, but if you are borrowing for a shorter term, um, like, you know, like you can, like the interest rate can vary from like four to what, like, like whatever percent, but the, because it's going to be a shorter term, like it's not that meaningful in the end, right? So right. I think for for a shorter term, I think it, uh, money own market market makes a lot more sense. I think for a longer term borrow, I think uh, balance would make more sense. I and think. It, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Uh, I can go ahead. Uh, well, I was, and then just the mechanism. So say uh, say I borrow a um, uh, hundred ICX. What's the what's the mechanism for for actually being charged that interest? Do I you know do I owe back one hundred and four or what exact to close out the loan or or you know say it was say it was four percent over a year? Do I owe you know after a year do I owe one hundred and four or does it work a little differently than that? Uh, sorry, I didn't quite get the question. Can you so can what? You maybe how, how 
how I guess what's the exact mechanism for how the interest uh, gets charged? Does it you know when you take out the fund when you take out the loan, do you end up having to when you ultimately pay it back? Do you have to pay out pay back a little bit more um, in order to cover that interest, or how exactly do you get uh, charged charge that when you take out a loan? Yeah, so when you take out a loan, basically uh, the your loan balance goes up real time, basically uh, based on the borrowing interest rates. And then when you're paying back, uh, you just have to pay back the total loan balance that you're seeing. In order to close out that, close out Correct. that loan. Got Correct. Uh, but you can still just close out partially as well. Um, yeah, so it really depends. I think that the good part is like it's pretty flexible. Like, you know, you can close it whenever you want. You can close it partially if you want, um, et cetera. Yep. I think um, one thing... Uh, after reflecting on some of the conversations, one thing everyone, all our listeners need to realize, and, and I know this is what will happen, right? Everyone is excited of about earning interest on their stablecoin. Yeah, so we'll see this influx of, of stablecoin getting put into the protocol. Obviously, everyone, that interest comes from people who actually borrow on the other side and are paying you know, extra to borrow. Um, so that's why it's always variable, right? It's supply and demand. So keep keeping that in mind. But what, what also everyone needs to realize as well is that's that's why at the start, it, it's it may be a little lower initially, but this is why the OMM token exists and it's not, it's not pre-mined, you know, it, it's distributed every day, just like balances being. So people will actually try to mine this to- uh, the OMM token by depositing, co- depositing collateral and taking out a loan and kind of trying to uh, be on both sides of the fence. And this itself will create that initial spur of interest getting paid to people who don't want to take the risk of taking out a loan, just want to deposit some funds and earn interest. But then as we get more users, the the kind of mining aspect starts to fade away and actual real interest is generated because people think, you know what, I want to lock my, uh, I'm going to use tap in this example, I want to hold my stash of tap and I want to lock it up and take a little bit of a loan and run out to an exchange and buy some um, new safe moon project, etc. But but you get the gist of what I'm trying, the pitch I'm trying to paint here and hopefully um, it, it becomes clear to everyone as well. Um, is that is that a good way of looking at it, Daiki? Just making sure. Yep, I think you're on point. Yep. Excellent, excellent. Okay, look, I think um, Icon Grapher, have you got any other questions you wanted to throw? Some surprise stuff at Daiki? Um, not. You know, I want to I want to pull one. Um, you know, I think some of the Twitter questions we kind of covered already. Uh, you know, I think there's I think there's one big question that we want to ask, but we'll probably save that t- toward the end. But um, you know, obviously we have balance now, and with um. Um, you know, I think some of the ways they can complement each other might be kind of obvious, but in the way that people might be able to utilize the two platforms, kind of, you know, they talk about the DeFi Legos, how things start to fit together as, as blocks. Um, how, how will the two platforms kind of complement each other and, and what I think there's probably a thousand different ways that they could kind of you could utilize and, and leverage each. Um, but if you just kind of want to give a, a, a general sense of uh, how they can work together and maybe some specific examples of uh, where there could be a lot of value uh, derived from that partnership or complementary relationship. Right. So I think, um, to be honest, I, so I think there is quite a bit of synergies to be made uh, between Balance and Ohm. But what I'm really excited about is more protocols that are coming up that will be utilizing both Balance and Ohm. I think there is uh, uh, honestly a lot more uh, bigger fishes to fry over there. 
Uh, I think a good example is something like uh, Optimus, where it's going to be basically, you know, doing utilizing both balance and ohm um, at, at like a layer on top of uh, these Lego sticks. Um, regarding specifically the balance and ohm, uh, what I envision later down the road is, you know, obviously when balance tokens become more stable, you know, hopefully balance tokens can be voted in through governance to be used as collateral. I mean, BNUSD, for that matter, also can be voted in at a later point. Um, and then obviously balance has its own decks. So hoping that maybe at some point, you know, some of these uh, these uh, liquidity pools of own pools uh, on the balance decks uh, can basically be, you know, utilizing balance protocol as well. Yeah, that's great. No, excited about that. We're, we're keen to get Optimus. If anyone from there is listening, please get in touch with us. We want to have you on the show. <laughs> <laughs> should we Should we ask the question, Iconographer? Is, is it that time? Yeah, I feel, might, yeah. As, might as well. Might yeah. as well. Okay, so, so Daiki, everyone wants to know how close are we to, to a launch? Are we, are we close to giving out some dates or timeframes? Um, so I've been staying on Discord, Q2ish, and then maybe I can just kind of share what's a bit more about what's going, what has been going on. So, um, at a protocol level, Ohm is ready to go live. Uh, we'll be releasing a testnet version this week, uh, and it's basically just a matter of like a flipping a switch on and off at this point to do it on the mainnet. Um, the part where it's been lagging a little bit uh, was on the bridge side, where you know uh, we'll. Bridge team was working with a trust called Prime Trust to basically build a, you know, fiat peg stablecoin on the Icon network. Um, but because they were so bombarded with a lot of the existing clients, basically they couldn't handle, you know, uh, a new client. And basically everything was built uh, for Bridge uh, for a while as well, but they just didn't give okay sign to the Bridge team to basically launch a Bridge stablecoin on the Icon network. So. Uh, that has basically pushed back home launch a little bit, to be frank. And, you know, we've found a new partner um, called Stably, so we're going to work with them to sign the contract. And that's why the new stablecoin is going to be called USDS instead of the existing USDB we were thinking of. Um, but hopefully, you know, when that's all done, like we're basically, we should be ready to go. Um, the reason we didn't launch Ohm without Bridge was that, you know, we wanted this experience. Like, the Ohm's goal was always to basically have regular people be able to access the money market. And we felt that launching Ohm without the Bridge component just didn't make any sense, uh, especially since we're going to do, like, a lot of the uh, mining from day one. Um, so that's where things are. Uh, in terms of timeline, we're still pushing hard uh, for Q2. Uh, we'll see where that goes. Uh, but we're, we're expecting to tuition at this point. Yep. That's great, Dake. You really appreciate um, you sharing that with us. And, and I think uh, the community will appreciate that as well because, um, you know, every, everyone knew it was close um, but didn't know when and couldn't understand why um, we, we couldn't get news on that front. So it's it's very good to know that, you know, it's actually our side of the stuff is done. It's it's unfortunately a falling through of a partner uh, deliverable that has caused a bit of havoc in the background for you guys to scramble and get things back on track. So awesome work getting a new partner and hopefully things transition um, quickly. And um, it, it, all that aside, though, really appreciate that. That's really good insights. 
just quickly, you, you meant, I think by the time people, you know, you mentioned the test net going up this week, uh, by the time I think people listening to this, it should be live. Is that something where people can kind of play around with it uh, and just get a sense of the protocol? Or is that something more internal for you guys uh, to just work on some further testing? Uh, we'll just, we'll definitely share it with the community. Unfortunately, okay. the stable coin part won't be done because like that's where right. it needs right. to be developed. Yeah. Uh, but the protocol itself uh, should be ready to be tested, um, including the voting side and whatnot. So, yep. We're pretty excited about that. Yep. So actually, this is great. You, you, I had this question on my mind. So, you know, with balance, for example, the voting aspect and stuff is coming soon. Always part of the plan. You know, they'll deliver that a couple of months later. So with OM, is that shipping on day one? Uh, correct. Brilliant. That was a quick uh, quick. A long question to a quick answer. Great. Um, excellent. No, Daiki, we really appreciate you coming on the show. You have answered all of our questions and given shed some light to certain things the community have been asking, so everyone will be grateful. Uh, once again, um, thank you for coming on the show. We hope to have you on again soon. <laughs> Icon Graffa, have you got any closing words? Nope. I think, uh, you know, I, I think hopefully that answered a lot of outstanding questions, uh, fill in some information gaps, educated about the platform. Uh, and I think people, you know, ideally people get even more excited now, especially uh, knowing that the uh, the launch is, is coming around the corner. Excellent. Thank you, Daiki, again. Appreciate your time. All right. Thank you so much, guys. Take care. See you.